Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Praying for America. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Well, a lot has happened since you and I talked last, and uh, obviously, The special counsel report on Biden has been getting a lot of attention. There were also the Supreme Court oral arguments about uh, from out of Colorado about keeping President Trump off the ballot and uh, much, much more. And I want to talk with you with just some comments about all of this uh, that uh, you may or may not have already thought about. Let's put this uh, as we do all things in the context of the word of God. And we're going to go start off here with Luke chapter 8, with a reading starting in verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, will be taken away. Let us pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon our nation tonight. We see the things that are going on with the Democrats. We see the things that are going on with these investigations of Joe Biden, and we see the things going on with his inability to have the, the mental strength, the, 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 the mental presence in order to carry out his responsibilities, Lord, and this becomes more and more clear to more and more people a, a, as the days go on. We ask you to give wisdom to the voters and to shine light in their own minds on what the Democrats are doing so that they may come to the, to the position where they can reject this party of raw power, this party that indeed hates America. Protect us, Lord, from the damage that these people are doing. Protect us, Lord, from the damage that we see all around us. And may we work together through these elections to make America great again. We pray through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so now, what everybody has been seeing, what we've all been talking about, which has become uh, the brunt of, of, of jokes, and, uh, but, but, but in the end it's not funny because the man has uh, his hands on the wheels of leadership in this country, But what we have all been seeing has now been asserted in an official document 
coming out of the very administration that this man is leading. Biden's mental incompetence. Brothers and sisters, there's certain key things we have to take away from the report that just came out, matter of days ago, from special counsel Robert Herr. And this special counsel was entrusted with the task. This is under Merrick Garland's uh, Department of Justice, entrusted with the task of looking into Biden's handling of classified documents. We know, of course, that there's the case with President Trump built on, built on absolutely nothing because the president has an authority over classified documents that a vice president or a senator or any other citizen does not. So there's a key di- this distinction between any consideration of what President Trump did versus what Biden did. But this is about Biden. So they looked into his handling of the classified documents. Now we're going to see what they said about what he did. We're going to see what he, how he contradicted what they said about what he did. But we're also going to see what they said about his mental state. Let's start with that first. You've heard this, but this requires us to really think this through. Look at the political implications. Look at it at, 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 at what we have to learn about the Democrats through all of this, not just about Biden himself. What has been revealed here is, look, let's start with this. The Department of Justice was never going to charge or prosecute uh, Biden in any way. You know that's not going to come out of this weaponized Department of Justice. They're using their authority against their political opponents. They're not going to use it against themselves. So this is a matter of, you weren't going to be getting, you know, people will say, oh, what well, but they didn't charge him. They didn't bring, uh, you know, and uh, uh, they didn't start the process of, you know, convening a grand jury. Because this is what a special prosecutor's role is. And this is interesting in, the, in as much as they were confusing the role, apparently. The, the, the role of the, of the special uh, counsel is not to demonstrate something beyond a reasonable doubt. That's where you're, that's, you're talking about a, 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 a level of evidence there when you come to the, to the jury trial. All, all, that the, all that has to happen at this point is, is there probable cause? Probable cause is not beyond a reasonable doubt. Probable cause. Do I think there's some kind of signal here, some kind of evidence that this person may have committed a crime? If so, well, then we start the wheels in motion to investigate that. And you have grand jury. Now, a grand jury doesn't hear both sides of the equation. The grand jury just hears one side. It's inherently a one-sided process to see whether or not there should be an indictment. An indictment doesn't mean anybody's guilty of anything. It means we need to look into this further with the help of a jury and a trial and so on. So there's various steps of the process, right? It's due process. Everybody's innocent till proven guilty and not the other way around. But the point is that you read this report from her and it's like he's jumping several steps ahead and saying, well, you know, we're not going to... Uh, charge Biden with anything because after all, you know, a jury might find reasonable doubt. Yeah, but this is not your job. 
to figure out, to do, first of all, to do mind reading about some future jury that hasn't even been convened, about what they might and might not find persuasive or what might cause doubt. But he goes into all of this, but this is where he also makes an assertion about Biden's mental state. But, okay, so that's one observation, and Mark Levin was bringing that out the other day. But here's the thing. What Her does say is, and I'll read some of the quotes here, Biden is not mentally fit to stand trial. That, that he's not that he doesn't have the mental sharpness to have even made the deliberate intention to do something wrong, and that a jury looking, listening to him, if he were to be a, a, in some kind of trial, would say, oh, you know, he doesn't remember things. And he brings out in this report that he didn't even remember things when they were questioning him in the process of preparing the report. Let me, let me, let me, let me read this. This is some quotes from this. It's, it's several hundred pages, by the way. Our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. Okay, that's a very important finding right there, but I'll hold on to that. Mr. Biden's memory was significantly limited. Oh, no, again. What's coming here out of a special counsel's official report is saying what we've all noticed for a long time. Mr. Biden's memory was significantly limited, both during his recorded interviews with the, his ghostwriter in 2017 and his interview with our office in 2023. Okay, just this past year that just concluded. Given Mr. Biden's limited precision and recall during his interviews with his ghostwriter and with our office, jurors may hesitate to place too much evidentiary weight on a single eight-word utterance to his ghostwriter about finding classified documents in Virginia in the absence of other more direct evidence. Okay. So in other words, he told his ghostwriter, there are recordings of this, he told the ghostwriter that there were classified documents. And he shared things from those classified documents with this ghostwriter. But if we're just talking about that utterance, they're saying, oh, well, you know, the guy is so forgetful, they might not find this persuasive. Listen to this. We have also considered that at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Based on our direct interactions with and observations of him, he is someone for whom many jurors will want to identify reasonable doubt. It would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him, by then a former president well into his 80s, of a serious felony. Now here's the key. That requires a mental state of willfulness. That's called mens rea. Mental state of willfulness. I know what I'm doing. I have the clarity of mind to know it, understand it, and intend it. You can't intend to do something if you don't understand what you're doing. They're saying that he wouldn't be able to convince a jury that he was incapable of that. 
because they'd be seeing his mental state right there in front of them. Now, and then final, final couple of sentences here. In his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president. What? If you were vice president of the United States, would you remember which years you were in that office? Especially if it just recently concluded. He did not remember when he was vice president. He did not remember when he was vice president. This is the guy that's supposed to be currently carrying out the, the duties of the presidency? Are you kidding me? Forgetting, it goes on to say, on the first day of the interview, when his turn... You know, people talking about this stuff up to now have been, been able to spin it. And to, oh, well, that's, you know, MAGA Republicans are saying that. They have a political uh, 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 purpose in saying that. They have a, Kamala Harris, in fact, even said that of, of, of Robert Hurst. Says, oh, he's politically motivated. How? In what way, shape, or form? To what purpose? What do you mean politically motivated? This is part of the Biden administration setting this in motion. They appointed a special counsel. Politically motivated? They're talking about how the man was talking when they interviewed him. Forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, and then they quote him. If it was 2013, uh, when did I stop being vice president? And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. Quote, in 2019, am I still vice president? He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. Oh, this is bad. And his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. Among other things, he mistakenly said he had a real difference of opinion, quote unquote, with General Carl Eikenberry, when in fact Eikenberry was an ally who Mr. Biden cited approvingly in his Thanksgiving memo to President Obama. The other day, when all this came out, and we're going to talk about the dilemma, I want to point out the dilemma that that puts him in, that this puts him and the Democrats in. This all came out, he had a press conference which did more harm than, than good, as far as he's concerned, was the worst day politically for Biden ever. The single worst day for him politically ever. They weren't going to charge him. They weren't going to indict him. They weren't going to do anything of this. They weren't going to prosecute him at all. So what her does instead is, okay, we're not going to do that. I'm going to tell you why we're not going to do it. And to his credit, he gives these details that I just read to you. Because the American people have a right to know this stuff. Democrats have a right to know it. Republicans have a right to know it. Those who like Biden and think he's doing a good job have a right to know it. Those who don't like him and don't think he's doing a good job have a right to know it. We all have a right to know the condition of the man who's got his finger on the, the nuclear uh, buttons and the codes and all this. And if he's running the country, well, except that he's not because he obviously can't, which raises a question that nobody seems to have the answer to, who is in fact 
running the country. This is what you get. This is what I want to point out about the Democrats. This is what you get with the Democrat Party. Beyond all of this, and more points that I'm going to, I'm going to raise here, beyond all of this, the question that, that is, 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 is crying out for us to, 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 to answer and to notice is why on earth do these Democrats allow this to continue? Because that reveals their true colors. They're not interested in the country or running it in any responsible way. They are interested in power, period. Because the person who's interested in power, they don't care about competence. Somebody, whoever it is, running, actually running the country and pulling the strings, Biden is just the figurehead. He's the puppet. He's there. Oh, yeah, we got somebody sitting in the Oval Office. And this way here, whoever behind the scenes is really pulling the strings, making the decisions, and aware of what in the world is going on, can continue to hold that power. These people, this, this group of power-hungry Democrats is showing their true colors here. Because when things get this bad, and they're just letting it continue on and on, on and on, and on and on, then you see their true colors. Now, here's the dilemma that Biden is now in. How does he defend himself against this stuff? Either he is a criminal because he had the mental capacity to understand what he was doing and then to actually intend to do it, and the report says he did it, revealing classified information, or he's mentally incompetent. Now, how does either one of those things jive with being president? Let me uh, reference this press conference. He goes ahead and he has, oh, well, first of all, Biden's lawyers. Did you hear this? I mean, I've been listening to a number of commentators unpack this whole thing, whether it's Mark Levin, Dan Bongino, Dick Morris, all these people are commenting in, in, in a very, very informative way. Biden's lawyers wrote to the special counsel, the special counsel, Robert Hur, saying, you know, you got all this stuff in there about Biden's bad memory. You may want to revise that because after all, he's running for president. You wouldn't want the voters to get too concerned about all this. What? These are the kind of people who are Biden's attorneys. Don't tell, don't let the voters hear that kind of thing. What? You really want to just, just, just hide it from, just conceal it from the voters. We need exactly the opposite of that. So there's the dilemma. How do you deal with this report now? No, 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 I actually, I actually am mentally competent. Well, if you're saying you're mentally competent, then you're a criminal. Oh, no, 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 I'm actually not a criminal. Why? Because I'm not mentally competent. Well, then what the heck are you doing in the Oval Office? That's not an easy dilemma to, to solve. And then he goes ahead and has this press conference. Now, he calls this press conference the night that this report comes out. Nobody knows what he's going to talk about. People were saying, is, is this, is, is, oh, Ted Cruz, by the way, was another person whose commentary I was 
listening to on this. They all have great podcasts, all these people that I'm talking about. And he says, I, nobody knew as he was going on with this press conference, was he going to say he was resigning the presidency? Was he going to say he's not running for, anymore on the Democrat ticket? What, what, is, what, what is he going to say? And he goes on this rambling press conference and makes things worse. He outright lies. First of all, he, he shows the depth of denial that he's in. And again, you know, it's the people around him. It's these power-hungry Democrats. Why are they allowing this to continue? My memory is fine, he says. Oh, a, 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 excuse me, but you know, would you just keep your mouth shut? Because every, the more you're opening it now, the more you are be, be showing yourself to be such an utter buffoon. Oh, my memory is fine. Yeah, right. In the midst of it totally unraveling in front of the American people and an official report saying it's not fine. Oh, my memory is fine, he says in the press conference. This is an arrogant man, and this is a liar. This is a corrupt man that we have sitting in the Oval Office. Corrupt and lying and incompetent. Disconnected, in denial. He doesn't belong there, brothers and sisters. Oh, my memory is fine. Yeah, right. Right. You just keep on saying that, right? Oh yeah, it's it's just fine. He would have been better off not having that press conference. But no, in his arrogance, he had to stand up there. He didn't even pivot to uh, you know. Oh, let's get up here. Let's 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 go talk about how those MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy. It wasn't even that. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. And then he goes ahead and says this. I did not act willfully in retaining or disclosing classified documents. He says at the press conference, I did not act willfully. And then you've got a special counsel's report saying... Our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials. They can't both be true. They can't both be true. Second thing he lied about, I did not disclose classified material with the ghostwriter. Yes, he did. And the report, well, the same sentence, that he did so and that he did so willfully. Do we realize the significance and seriousness of the moment that we are in right now? First of all, <laughs> politically, from the vantage point of the, the Biden team, I mean, I'm... They didn't get any sleep that night, that's for sure. And probably haven't gotten sleep in, in, in a good number of nights. This is disastrous for them. But again, it's not, you know, you could say, okay, well, we have to invoke the 25th Amendment. Of course, nobody in that, in that cabal of people is going to do any of this willingly. But, but if, if the gears turn in such a way that Biden ends up out of office before the end of his term... It's not that that solves the problem. The problem I want you to think about 
it, this way. The problem is systemically rooted in the Democrat Party. Yes, it's a Biden. I just got finished telling you Biden is a corrupt liar and an incompetent uh, uh, person. But, the, but removing him from office doesn't solve the problem. And I'm not saying it doesn't solve the problem just because ha Vice President Harris would end up becoming president for the rest of the term and she's uh, as unpopular or, or, or even less popular than he is. She's a disaster of a vice president. I'm not even saying it's because of that that it doesn't solve the problem. I'm saying it because it's systemic to the party. We've been talking about Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America. It's a party problem. So no matter, the, the, the whole point is you gotta get the, vote these Democrats completely out of office. So, brothers and sisters, it, it goes back to that scripture that we just read here tonight. That the things that are hidden will be revealed. Now, some things are, are, are hidden because they are, they are hidden. And then we got investigations like this that, that, that bring them out into the open. Yes, they did an investigation. And yes, this man willfully retained and disclosed classified documents. When he had no authority to declassify them, Important point to keep in mind if anybody tries to compare this with the President Trump situation. It, this is a, this is a, a uh, just again, push, put it back right on the lap of the Democrat Party. Why are these people allowing this kind of thing to go on? That's the question that the voters, not that we're going to get an answer to, but that we have to take the action we know we have to take and vote this entire party out of power. Keep it simple. You, you, you don't need to feel like you've probed into the, uh, you've gotten all these questions answered. Some of these questions are not gonna get answered. But they can, the fact that they're, that they're questions and the fact that they're not answered questions is enough for us to know as voters that we've gotta get these people out of power. Now, speaking about keeping people out of office and out of power, one other thought here, the Supreme Court oral arguments took place, you know, in the, in the state of Colorado, the effort to uh, keep President Trump's name off the ballot. Ridiculous effort. That's not going to work. They're using the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment, which was put into place there to deal with right after the Civil War. Uh, and, and, and the... The, interestingly, in the oral arguments, even the most left-wing, and again, you want to talk about incompetent, Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, what in the world is she, what in the world is this woman doing on the bench anyway? She doesn't belong there. She doesn't belong there. And yet there she is, making a clown show out of the Supreme Court of the United States. But even she, with all her left-wing credentials, raises the question during the oral arguments, well, wait, the 14th Amendment, when it talks about people who are guilty of an insurrection not being able to, to run for office, doesn't mention the president. It doesn't mention the president. It mentions electors of the president, so it's not that the office of presidency was, was out of the mind of the, the framers of the 14th Amendment. It's not that they talk about electors. You can't be an elector for a president. 
Now, we're putting aside, of course, the question of being guilty of insurrection because President Trump was not guilty of insurrection. And what happened on January 6th wasn't an insurrection. But putting that question aside, not even reaching that to that question, does this effort to disqualify him from the ballot under the 14th Amendment even apply to the office of the president? Apparently not. And even Justice uh, Brown Jackson was saying, well, what, 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 how do you make this applicable to the president? If it's applicable to the president, why doesn't the amendment say that? It's, it, lists, it lists a whole series of offices, including electors of the president, but doesn't mention the president himself for a very simple reason. It wasn't intended to apply to the presidency. But for her to raise that, 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 that this case is going to this case is going to be maybe by by nine zero decision, unanimous decision, is going to go the right way, and hopefully it will put to rest both the question of these attempts to remove President Trump's name from the ballot, but also again this nonsense that uh, this is a res an insurrection. They may not reach that question. You know, Supreme Court these different courts like to be able to decide questions based on the, the, the quickest route to deciding the case without having to answer all sorts of other questions that they could you know, come back to at a later time. So we'll see how that all pans out. That's all. I just wanted to make some comments on both of these things right here and then bring us back into prayer uh, for all these, uh, all these situations. Let's pray. Lord, Lord we, we, we submit the Supreme Court of the United States to the Supreme Court of Jesus Christ. He is Lord of the nations. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the judge of the world. And Lord, these deliberations going on in the Supreme Court, oh God, you can write straight with crooked lines. You can bring out right decisions even out of incompetent justices and left-wing lunatics. You, Lord God, can, can bring our country back on the right track in any way you choose. And so we ask that this, this Supreme Court case about the removal of names from the ballot will, will, will be decided swiftly, clearly, comprehensively in such a way that the American people regain the confidence that they, the voters, decide whose names are going to be on the ballot, not some kind of, of, uh, of court or kangaroo court or, 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 or somebody that wants to invent crimes uh, on innocent people. Bless us, Lord, with that kind of wisdom on our courts, not only on the Supreme Court, on any courts, on all the courts, on all the people involved at every level of government with any of these attempts to remove uh, or keep President Trump's name off of the ballot. Just we ask an infusion of wisdom to these people, Lord God. And we also ask that in this whole situation with this special report, this whole situation with this special counsel, that you would send your Holy Spirit into the places where light is needed to replace darkness, where wisdom is needed to replace foolishness. Lord, we ask you to protect us from the man who is currently in the Oval Office. It's a sad prayer to have to say. We ask you to protect us from this man, filled with corruption, lies, and incompetence. Protect us, Lord God, from the even more dangerous people who are right there, up close, right in the midst of this, allowing it to happen and making it happen. Protect this nation. Protect us and our fellow citizens. Because where, Lord God, there is this type of vice, 
there will be other forms of vice. Protect us. And we pray now for that protection in the very words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, friends, thanks. Good to be with you. You know, I had a meeting here at my headquarters at Priests for Life of, of the major national leaders in the pro-life movement. It was a great meeting for three days. We had about 50 leaders here. And we were talking about the elections. We were talking about the, um, the, 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 the way that the issue we deal with, abortion, plays into the elections. It will be playing into it. It is playing into it. But we can win on it. I want to assert that again with confidence, and it's something that we'll return to in our discussions, as you know we already have discussed, because it's a crucially important issue. Brothers and sisters, thank you for what you're doing to make America great again, and join us again tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.